Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey... Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My name's Dwayne Osterland, and I'm your host, I'm also the founder of Novus Mindful Life Institute Family Counseling and Recovery Center in Long Beach, California. If you or someone you know is struggling with any of life's difficulties, please reach out to us. You can find more information about us at theaddictedmind.com forward slash help. So today is episode 43 and my guest is Lori Candles. She is going to talk about anxiety and how you can help yourself through it if you're struggling with it. Now, I can say personally that anxiety sucks and anybody who has dealt with anxiety can tell you it's no fun when you have it. So Lori talks about how you can help yourself deal with anxiety and I really love her insights and what she has to say about it, especially you know directly working within the body to change how you feel. So. I hope you guys find this episode helpful and useful. So let's begin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. And we have a wonderful guest today. Her name is Lori Candles, and she is going to talk about something that I think a lot of people deal with when they're struggling with addiction, and that's anxiety. A lot of times I think people who have anxiety turn to substances or behaviors to just get out of anxiety because anxiety is really uncomfortable. So Lori, I'm glad to have you on and address this issue. Do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Sure. Thanks for having me, Dwayne. I really appreciate what you do. Oh, thank you. I am well up the coast from you in San Francisco. And I have a practice where I see adults and couples in my office in the mission and also online. And I am the on-site therapist at uh, Salesforce downtown. Oh, okay, great. So tell me a little bit about 
because we talked about a little bit about anxiety and how that impacts people. So tell me a little bit what got you interested in helping people specifically with anxiety, but you also talked about work, work stress as well, and those kind of can go together as well. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Anxiety is a really big umbrella word. And increasingly, I think people are self-diagnosing with anxiety, and they mean a variety of things. They're talking about some kind of fear or stress or self-doubt, etc. And I originally, when I started my practice way back in 1991, I was working a lot with trauma survivors. And so that was my first introduction to the effects of trauma and the impact of anxiety on people's lives and how persistent that was and how hard it was to break that cycle. So when we're kind of thinking, when we think generally of anxiety, what are people generally thinking anxiety looks like? Usually it's some kind of persistent negative story that they're running through their heads about some event that happened in the past or some event that might happen in the future. And it's something something negative. It's something about terrible things are going to happen, or I'm going to be found out, or you know, the trauma that I've experienced before isn't really over, and I'm going to re-experience that. Okay, so these individuals that are struggling with anxiety, now is that where we had talked also earlier about this, like that rumination kind of comes in? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, we actually develop these neural pathways over time if we keep repeating these negative stories to ourselves, And it becomes a habit. It's something that you don't actually have to think that much about. It's your fallback. And so these ruminations that we were talking about just keep this stress cycle going. And it has a physiological impact as well. Okay, so they start to like really kind of feel this in their body, telling these stories Like I'm thinking someone is, they're scared about their future, right? They don't, maybe they're shifting jobs or losing a job or or something like that. And that anxiety, they're telling themselves the same story kind of over and over. You know what? I'm not going to be able to support my family. I'm I'm not going to be able to make a living. And they get into kind of a routine. That's right. And they actually start to collect evidence to support that. Remember that other time this thing didn't work out? Remember that bad job you had? Remember how you didn't do well in this area? You start to collect that evidence. And what you're doing at that time is you're actually activating the stress response in your body. And this is really important because if you're able to change your mind and change your life, then it's probably not that much of a problem. (laughs) Right. The real problem is you have to change your physiology. When you're stressed, your body is producing these stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol and norepinephrine. And those are really good things when you're in danger. If you're driving down the freeway and somebody cuts you off, you don't want your analytical brain to create a spreadsheet of decisions that you might make. You want quick reflexes. And those stress hormones give you that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so a person who's doing this, they 
start to find that negative evidence. So they start to kind of relive and create that stress, release these hormones, which then what does that help them kind of they kind of go into that flight and fight and flight response? And then do they end up reinforcing that story kind of over and over again? That's right. Yes. And over time, your body becomes habituated to those stress hormones. So your amygdala, which is that part of your brain that controls the fight or flight response, is all lit up. And you are constantly flooding your body with these stress hormones until you start to think that that's normal. And at that point, even when you start to relax, you're going to find your mind turning to some kind of stressful event again, just to give your body another shot of cortisol. So you get kind of habituated to this state of anxiety and stress. That's right. And you have to have more of it and more of it to kind of keep that equilibrium. That's right. It becomes a habit and it becomes part of your identity over time that you think that this is just how you are. Wow. So you get kind of stuck there. Yeah. Yeah. And we know that these stress hormones over time have really deleterious effects. They can slow your metabolism. They can impair your memory and concentration. They can contribute to heart disease and headaches and digestive problems. And maybe most importantly, they interrupt your sleep. Right. That's what I hear a lot. I can't sleep. My mind is constantly racing. I'm I'm kind of thinking all the time and I can't slow down. Yeah, or I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about this terrible thing that I imagine is going to happen. And the problem with that is that when you don't get deep restorative sleep, you don't get to relax in the same way because you're not able to process information. They did a study many years ago where they taught two groups a simple new task. And then they let one group sleep through the night. And the other group, they woke before they got that deep REM sleep. And that group could not remember the new task. There's something that happens in sleep where we're reprocessing our day and taking in new information. And for when you're dealing with anxiety, that new information is that actually maybe I am safe right now, or maybe I am competent, or maybe this will work out. That's not happening. That stress response has taken over and become a habit. And is that where when people start to try, they're kind of stuck in this, and especially like high levels of anxiety where they almost in, in essence kind of fear the anxiety itself? That's right. Because I, I've worked with a lot of people who it, the anxiety itself has become fearful and they find themselves just actually getting anxious about the possibility of getting anxious. That is so common. It's one of the tricks of anxiety that it gets you anxious about being anxious. And especially for people who've had a panic attack in which they feel like they're having a heart attack or they feel like they're dying, actually. Right. Um, there is a lot of stress in anticipation of another panic attack. Yeah. And then they get stuck there. And, and um, one thing that I can definitely say is, you know, having dealt with some anxiety in my past, I can tell you it is it is the worst feeling to to ever have. It's it's scary and it feels like it's never going to end and it feels like there's just no way out. People feel very stuck. Yeah, and they they kind of feel very trapped in it and um it does feel like it's going to last forever. Yeah, it really does. Even though on another kind of cognitive level we know that's not true, but uh, our body tells us that uh, alert alert you know, we're, we're in trouble here yeah, that's right. and we're not in trouble. 
That's right. And our bodies, they have a different kind of logic. Our emotions are really the logic of the body. As I said earlier, if you could just tell yourself, there's nothing to be afraid of, and that took care of it, great. (laughs) But that's not usually what happens. We have to actually convince our bodies that we're safe because when your body is in an anxious state, it doesn't know the difference between something bad happening or not. It feels as if something bad is happening. Right, exactly. And this is when we talk about addiction. I mean, it's very understandable. Someone who is struggling with anxiety and can't find their way out uses a substance or a behavior to to shift that because anxiety is so uncomfortable. It's very common. And we talk about people self-medicating. They're trying to bring about that relaxation response with some other substance because they don't know how to do that for themselves. Right. They're trying to find that somehow. And our bodies are always trying to move towards health. I mean, the good news is we've been describing the sympathetic nervous system, which is what turns on when you're in danger. But we also have a parasympathetic nervous system. And that's what actually floods our body with those feel-good hormones, those relaxation hormones, that oxytocin that we naturally produce and serotonin and dopamine and the endorphins that make us feel good, make us feel connected, make us feel open. And we still have that response available to us. We just have to retrain our bodies. You know, if you've been a dancer or a musician or an athlete, you know that every time you change coaches or teachers, they tell you you have to change your technique. Right. You're doing something wrong and you have to relearn. And it's not that what they're telling you is difficult to learn. What's difficult is unlearning the old habit because you've got body memory for it. And it's the same thing with unlearning the stress response is you now have body memory for this and you, you're used to it. So you have to have some discipline and intention to break that stress response. So what you're, what you're saying and what I, what I hear you saying is that you've actually trained your body to be anxious and it, it's in a way is habituated to that. That's right. So in, I mean, this comes to the point of, okay, now I have all this anxiety, what do I do, right? So then you have to kind of untrain it or train it differently. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, anxiety works in the past or in the future. So it's either reminding you of something bad that happened before or something bad that will happen, but it doesn't actually exist in the present. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, if you get yourself into this moment, you can break that cycle pretty quickly, but you have to do it over and over again until that becomes a habit. Okay. So it's like you have to, that's where that kind of conscious, that mindful mindfulness comes in and that consciousness comes in to kind of refocus over and over again until you have a new response. That's right. You know, in my office, sometimes I'll just ask people to look around the room and name five shapes or five colors that they see right now. It's just a a trick really to retrain the body into the present moment. And when they're doing that, the anxiety really disappears for that moment. And it gives them a new perspective and a new way of looking at their situation. Right. So it's, it's almost, I think what's really hard for a lot of people who are kind of in the midst of anxiety is finding those little moments of relief and kind of trying to grow them. Yes. 
I know that people get tired of being told to breathe. Right. Um, it's kind of trite at this point, but it really does reset your nervous system. If you just, well, when people are anxious, they're often breathing really shallowly and they have, feel like they're having trouble getting air, actually. So the first thing you have to do when you're in anxiety and trying to breathe is to exhale. And that seems counterintuitive. But once you exhale, then gravity just brings the oxygen into your lungs naturally. And if you do that just a few times, usually about three to five times is enough to reset your nervous system and get you into the present and stimulate that relaxation response. Now, I've seen over and over again that people get there. They're like, oh, yeah, I feel better now. And then two minutes later, their mind starts chattering about, yeah, but what about that thing? Right, right. And it, it, it's that old addiction coming back, trying to get another shot of cortisol into the body. Right. So they 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 kind of kind of have to really retrain that thinking. Yeah. And that, uh, and I don't just say thinking. I think the body state. I mean, I think one of the things that really helps a lot of people with anxiety is when they realize this is just a this is a body response kind of being able to step out of it a little bit and then say, okay, I'm going to breathe. Yeah. And that you have control over this. You just did three or five deep breaths and you feel better. You did that. You have that available to you. Right, right. Definitely. It's it's right there. And I think one of the, the good things too, as you we were talking, I was thinking about how anxiety is one of the things that uh, is the is, I think, the most responsive to any kind of treatment. It really is, even though it seems so pervasive and it seems so impossible to deal with for people who are struggling with it, it's very responsive. Right. So, okay, so someone comes into your office, you're telling them to, to breathe and, and kind of change. What are some of the, the other things that you do to kind of, or what they can do that can kind of continue this process? There are a few different things. One is it helps to identify what the triggers are for anxiety. There's usually something or multiple things that sort of allow in anxiety. And it may be particular situations. It may be particular people in their life. It may be particular times of day or times of the year. And just identifying those triggers just so they have some awareness that this is when they're vulnerable. And then they need to have some kind of practice that will help them to get used to not being stressed. Some people use meditation, and I think that can be very powerful, but not always for people who are struggling with anxiety. A long time ago, I was teaching progressive relaxation to women in a domestic violence shelter. And usually about two-thirds of the women found that very helpful, and about a third of the women just couldn't do it. Because every time they relaxed, their mind was just flooded with bad memories. So some people have tried meditation, hasn't worked for them, and then they kind of use that against themselves too. See, I can't even relax during meditation. But don't be hard on yourself. If that doesn't work for you, that's okay. Maybe a, a more guided meditation where you're being talked through a process would be helpful. But if that doesn't work, it's okay. The other things that I have found very helpful are EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And uh, I can talk a little bit more about that, although that could probably be a show by itself. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And 
Actually, I think there was another episode that I did that talks about EMDR that people could go back to in more detail. That's great. And just briefly, I can say it it replicates what happens during REM sleep. You're stimulating both sides of the brain through eye movement or hand taps or sounds to open up those neural pathways and to allow in new information. It's amazing at desensitizing trauma in particular. And then the other technique that I've been using more is tapping or emotional freedom technique, also known as EFT. And this is a great self-help tool. It uses the acupressure points on the body, and people can just tap on these points around their eyes, on their collarbones, different parts of their body, and they're creating an electrical stimulation that actually calms down the sympathetic nervous system and allows the parasympathetic nervous system to be ascendant. So they're tapping through whatever difficulties they're happening, and they're opening up those neural pathways, allowing in new information, and they're creating that relaxation response in their bodies. So in a way, you're, you're really talking about almost working with the, with the body, not just with your thoughts, but working with the nervous system. Absolutely. You, you can't just drag your body into change. You have to convince yourself that you are safe right now. Right. And that's what this is so present focused. Yes. Yeah. Because if we're in our anxiety, like you said earlier, we're usually trapped in the past or we're trapped in the future. And this is a very in the moment way of being and dealing with the anxiety right here, right now with your body. Yeah. The present is really the way out. Right. And, and once you see that, once I think people kind of realize that who are struggling with anxiety, that's where they start to really see that change. Once they can grasp that and they get out of the past and the future, then I see they really start to kind of overcome their anxiety. It's pretty amazing. I, I was working with a client who was having really bad panic attacks on a daily basis, and so bad that they were sending her home from work every day. And she was pretty hopeless. And she had a story that everybody in my family has anxiety. It's just in my blood. It's just how I am. She only came to me because a relative of hers knew me and kind of pushed her um, to come see me. And we started looking at the triggers. We started doing some breathing work. And then we started doing tapping. And she had about six sessions over a couple of months. And she's now um, anxiety-free. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. A few months after we ended, she sent me an email saying she had one bad day when she had too much coffee. But other than that, she's been fine. Oh, that's great. I mean, that's, that's really hopeful for people who are right now, if they're listening to this episode and they're in the midst of struggling with anxiety, that's a really hopeful thing that if you can kind of get to the present and realize you're here right now, you're okay. Yeah. You can start to change your brain. You don't have to live with anxiety. You really don't. I think one of the things is with anxiety, it's so immediate. It's so right in front of you. Which then, you know, also if people struggle with anxiety for a long time, then they start to struggle with depression too and all these other things. Or they, they turn to, because they can't find their way out, they turn to addiction. That's right. Yeah. And that's just, that's tragic. It is tragic because nobody wants to live that way. Everybody's looking for a way out. Yeah. Sometimes they choose ways out that aren't so helpful. Right. I know. And, and the thing is, is that there is help and you can overcome this and, and there's definitely help out for people. And what you're saying is it doesn't necessarily take years of therapy to do. 
It really doesn't. You can you can break these habits relatively quickly. You know, sometimes if somebody's had significant trauma, that might take a little bit longer, but it still doesn't have to take years of therapy. You know, the important thing is to get people into the present so they know that whatever abuse or whatever tragedy happened to them is over and they don't have to continually relive it. Yeah, definitely. So if anybody's listening to this podcast and they're struggling with uh, anxiety or anxiety and addiction, what, what would you want to tell them? What would you want to say to them? I really want them to know that there is a way out and that you don't have to live like that, that it is possible to free yourself from anxiety and that you, the tools that you need to do that are relatively easy to learn. Right. That there's a lot of hope. You can do it. Yep, absolutely. Awesome, Lori. Thank you so much for coming on to The Addicted Mind and talking about this issue. If someone wanted to get more information from you, how could they get a hold of you or find you? Best place to find me is on my website, which is lorikandelsmft.com. That's L-O-R-I-K-A-N-D-E-L-S-M-F-T.com. All right, Lori, thank you so much for coming on to the Addicted Mind podcast. It was great talking with you. Great to talk to you too. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Uh, Once again, uh, everything will be in the show notes and uh, you can go to theaddictedmind.com and get those there and I'll have all that information. And uh, thanks again, Lori. Thank you, Dwayne. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. Once again, you can find all the show notes at theaddictedmind.com forward slash 43. Once again, if you're enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please rate and review us in iTunes. I really do appreciate it, and it really does help us get a lot of exposure. And while you're at it, jump over to the website, theaddictedmind.com, and sign up for the newsletter. We have a lot of great information going out and you can get an update on each new episode. So go over and do that as well. That would be great. So have a wonderful day and I will see you next week. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.